So, Lord Jesus, you are our very life, and we come to you again this morning eager to hear you speak to us and to reveal to us your beauty, your glory, your majesty, that we might treasure you above all else. Help us as we come this Advent morning to worship for all that you're worth. We pray in your name. Amen. So we are starting a new series this morning uh, that we've called Surviving the Holidays. And just that title alone tells you what the series is all about. If you've lived long enough to get a few holiday seasons under your belt, you know this time of year isn't all merry and cheerful and jolly uh, for everybody, for, for many people. And to a degree for everyone, this is a really tough time of year. There's a lot of joy and excitement that comes along with the holidays, but there's also a lot of sadness. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of grief. Uh, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of loneliness and so forth. But the holidays aren't always like the Hallmark movies, right? We don't always look forward to the holidays. Sometimes we just look forward to getting past them, to just surviving the holidays. Well, if that describes how you feel this morning, uh, then this series is for you. But even if not, I mean, even if this is uh, holiday cloud nine for you, at least for this Christmas season, it's still for you. Because I, I can guarantee you probably have someone in your sphere of influence, maybe a family member, uh, a friend, a co-worker, Somebody you know that's struggling, that's struggling just to survive this time of year. And going through this series will better equip you to be able to reach out and minister grace to them. So that's what we're going to tackle this Advent season. How do we survive the worry, the the conflict the depression so often associated with the holidays. And this morning, we're going to start with anxiety. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you just just a couple of principles on surviving holiday anxiety from Jesus' most famous teaching on worry and anxiety here in Matthew chapter 6. There's a lot more in this passage than just these couple of principles. But just for the sake of time this morning, we're just going to cover two. And I think if we get these two, I think we'll be greatly helped as we go into this holiday season. Whatever the worries might be, two things Jesus would have us to keep in mind over the next few weeks. Number one, it's not that important. And number two, it's not that bad. Here are your two points this morning. Can you remember those two things? Number one, it's not that important. And number two, it's not that bad. Now, let me just say right at the outset, you're not just going to pray a prayer and follow a few simple steps and then, boom, you've got a worry-free life or even a worry-free Christmas. It's not, that's not how it works. That's not reality. I'm not here to tell you, you just follow these steps and, boom, you're going to have the, the best life you've ever had now. That's just not how it works. Anxiety is complicated. There are varying degrees of anxiety. There's the, there's the low-level stress 
that all of us feel. Uh, there's another end of the spectrum. There's, there's panic attacks and, and extreme forms of anxiety and paranoia. But we need to be careful that we don't speak about this as something that's an easy fix, because it's not. There's a lot more we could say. In fact, earlier this year, we spent several Sundays going through the parallel passage here uh, to Matthew 6 over in Luke chapter 12. If you want to think more about it, that would be a good place to go. It's on the website. You can look it up. But even then, several Sundays, we barely scratched the surface on it. So as someone who struggles with anxiety myself, and I, I do, I'm well aware that these principles are not the silver bullet to a very free life. But that said... They're extremely helpful in dealing with anxiety, especially the anxiety that comes this time of year. And we know that because Jesus tells us that. He gives us these principles, and he wants us to be able to use them to fight for joy. So two principles this morning. Number one, it's not that important. And number two, it's not that bad. So let's start with the first. It's it's not that important. Now, let's just think about the holidays. What would you say are the the top I don't know, two or three most stressful things that people go through this time of year? What are the three biggest things about which they are anxious during the holiday season? Anxiety over finding enough time to get everything done. And boy, there's a lot to do this time of year, right? We've got very busy schedules. We've got all the gift buying and the planning for the gift buying and hitting the right sales. Uh, we've got all the cooking, the, the meals that we prepare, the travel, right? If you have children, you've got them in sports, there are ball games to go to, or there's rehearsals to go to, there are recitals to attend, there are parties to attend. There's a lot to do. And we're often very anxious just simply about having enough time to get it all in. Of course, there's the anxiety about having enough money to pay for all those things that we want to do. And then there's the anxiety that comes with interacting with other people, right? Not, not just the conflicts, but just the anxiety associated with trying to make everybody happy. There's a, there's a great deal to be said about expectations that we have for the holidays, and, and we worry, are we meeting all of those expectations? For our spouse, for our children, for our parents, for our co-workers, whatever it might be, we've got expectations, we're worried about meeting those expectations. Did I get the right gifts? Did I, did I, did I cook the right meal? Have we done all those special traditions that we always do each year? Have we gotten all of it in? There's a lot that we're anxious about during the holiday season besides all the other stuff that we're anxious about throughout the year. Now, look, I am not saying those things are unimportant. So hear that. I'm not saying, I don't think Jesus is saying it either. We're not saying those things are unimportant. What I'm saying, what I think Jesus is saying is they're not that important. Look at how Jesus opens his discussion on anxiety in verse 25. Look at what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So what's he talking about here? 
Well, he's talking about the, the basic life essentials. He's talking about food. He's talking about clothing. Pretty basic life sustaining stuff. You can, you can live without that, um, casserole that, uh, grandma makes this time of year or that special Christmas holiday dessert, you know, that you can't wait to have that you only get, right? Unless we're talking about my wife's sausage balls and then maybe you don't live without those. I don't know. But, you know what I'm saying. You can deal without some of the specific things, but you can't live without food in general, though. He's talking about the basic life essentials. But then look a little closer at what he says. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Well, it's certainly not less than that. If we don't eat, we're not going to live for very long. If we don't have clothing and shelter, you know, we're not going to survive. Physical life requires those things. But, but notice what he says. He says, is not life more than, more than food, more than clothing, as important as food and clothing may be? In fact, they're essential. You can't live without them. They're not as important as life itself. Food and clothing and the like, those are means. They're not ends. I like how D.A. Carson puts it in his commentary on this passage. He says, the point is not to worry about the physical necessities, let alone the luxuries. Because such fretting suggests that our entire existence focuses on and is limited to such things. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Is not life more than food? Some translations, more important than food, and I think that's a good way to translate it. Is not the body more than clothing? And so if Jesus' point here stands in relation to the necessities of life, all the more it stands for the luxuries in life. And so here's what you do with the holidays. You just you substitute those two words, food and clothing, for whatever it is that you're anxious about this time of year. Is not life more than decorations? The perfect Christmas lights, which never happens, by the way. You're never going to hit perfection. But life's more than those things. Is not life more than casseroles? Is not life... More than the to-do lists that we make. The appointments that we try to squeeze in. The gifts that we fret over. It's not life more than all of those luxuries. And let's be clear, those are luxuries. Those are not necessities. You can live without Christmas lights. Life is more than the basics. It's certainly more than the other things. So I think what Jesus is doing here is he's calling us to gain some perspective on the things that we worry so much about this time of year. They may be important things, but they're not that important. Certainly not important enough to be anxious about them. So let's break it down. Look, here's what you do. Here's what you do with this principle. If if some of the items on the to-do list 
don't get done or don't get done very well. If some of the expectations that, that we reset these expectations, if we don't meet them in the way that we want to meet them, if some of our holiday traditions have to change a little, that's okay. It's going to be okay if that side dish doesn't make it to the table. It's going to be okay if that particular expectation we set isn't fully met. If we don't make all of the appointments. Life itself is more, it is more important than any of the particular things that we get so anxious about during the holidays. You're going to make it if some of those things fall off and don't get met. Is not life more important than the things that we're anxious about in the holiday season? They may be important, very important, but they're not that important. Which then brings us to a second principle, namely, it's not that bad either. One of my favorite Christmas movies is the one that was filmed up in uh, Cleveland back in the 80s, A Christmas Story. Remember a Christmas story? Remember uh, the main character, Ralphie? Remember the scene where Ralphie gets into a fight with the school bully, Scott Farkas? Remember that? He gets into a fight with Scott, and he he actually uh, goes to town on him, and his mom has to come and pull him off the boy, and he's just crying. He's he's had it. And mom brings him home, and he is just panic-stricken. Right? He is scared to death about what his dad's going to say and what his dad's going to do when he comes home and he finds out about the fight. And remember, even even uh, his younger brother Randy's uh, freaking out about this. You know, mom's in the kitchen preparing dinner, and he's underneath uh, the uh, the sink in the cabinet. She opens the cabinet door, and he's just weeping. And she says, "What's wrong, honey?" And he's whining, "Daddy's going to kill Ralphie," you know. And so she's compassion. She brings him a glass of milk, shuts the door back, right? So so finally, they're at the table. Right? Dad gets home. Yelling at the dogs. He's, he's always fighting with the neighborhood dogs. He, he comes in and he sits down at the table. And, and you see Ralphie there sitting next to him. And you see the look on his face. right? Sheer panic about what dad's going to do. How is dad going to react when he finds out about a fight that I had? And then you see the mom kind of observing the uh, relational dynamics here. She picks up on it. She knows he's already had a rough day. So what does the mom do? She kind of downplays it. Oh, he just had a fight. It's no big deal. And then you just you see the dad just kind of shrugs it off, no big deal. And he goes back to reading his paper. And then the, the the camera cuts to Ralphie, and you see this relief, just overwhelming relief, come across his face. And he says, "I slowly began to realize I was not about to be destroyed, because in his mind he thought he was going to be. He was sure." Life itself was over the moment dad found out about his fight. Well, the dad found out. And life went on. He made it. It wasn't that bad. Not nearly as bad as his anxious little mind had imagined. But that's exactly what we do. What goes on in your mind when you start thinking about the things that you are worried about. And maybe you're thinking about the difficult family member and you're anxious about seeing at the family Christmas gathering. 
And, and then in your mind, you begin replaying over and over and over and how that interaction is going to go. And, and what do you think about? Well, you imagine it's going to go swell. You imagine it's just going to go great. You imagine it's going to be conflict-free. There's going to be no drama. It's going to be cordial and civil and enjoyable. That's, is that what you do? No. What do we do? We replay in our mind over and over and over how bad it's going to be. How we're never going to get through this. How this is going to be the worst interaction I've ever had with any human being ever. They're going to be mean and they're going to be angry. This is going to be so terrible. That's what we do. Way before we even get to that interaction, we've already played it up over and over and over again in our minds of how bad it's going to be. That's how anxious thoughts work, don't they? You you go in for the routine checkup at the doctor and you just, you know that whatever test they do, it's going to come back with some terminal illness that nobody's ever heard of and you're going to be the one who has it. Or maybe you go to the boss's office, he calls you in and you just know he's going to fire you or you've done something wrong to get in trouble. That's what's going on in your mind. Your teenager's running five minutes late and what do you expect? Well, there's probably a good reason for that. No, you expect they're lying face down dead in a ditch somewhere and they're never going to come home. That's what we think. You've got no good reason to think any of those things. The doctor hasn't told you that it's likely you have some terminal illness. Your teenagers often late. They're teenagers, right? Anxious thoughts always give us the worst case scenario. And none of it is warranted. We don't think anxious thoughts because we've got good reason to think them. We don't think them because they're probable. Many of them are highly improbable. Many of them are just simply irrational thoughts. And we need to remind ourselves of that when our minds begin to drift. And they begin to drift into deep worry and anxiety. We need to remind ourselves that, look, it's really not that bad. It's not as bad as my mind is telling me it's going to be. I think that's implied by what Jesus says here toward the end in verse 34. Look at what Jesus says. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Just think about that. Why are you worrying about the things that haven't even happened yet? Why are you replaying scenarios in your mind of things that aren't real? You've got plenty of reality right in front of you today to deal with. You don't need to add to it all kinds of improbable unrealistic things that haven't happened and probably never will. I think that's what Jesus is saying to us. So here's what you do when you find yourself in your mind drifting into those panic, uh, anxious, worrisome thoughts about how bad tomorrow or next week or the meeting is going to be or the, the party's going to be or the event's going to be. When you find your mind going there, just remind yourself, just just these simple words, it's it's really not that bad. It's not that bad. For most of your worries, you've got no 
good reason to expect the worst possible case scenario. Whatever you're facing isn't going to be unbearable. It isn't going to do you in. If you think back to all your previous holiday anxieties and put yourself back in your own shoes a year or two years ago and and, and just kind of go through in your mind the anxiety you felt then, the ways in which you told yourself then, there's, there's no way to make it through another holiday. There's no way I'm going to get through this. And you did. And I know you did because you're here, right? You've made it to another holiday. God brought you through difficult times that you worried yourself sick over. That you thought you'd never make it through and he brought you through it. And he's done it year after year after year. You've got no good reason to think that you can't make it through this. You've got every reason, every reason to trust that God could bring you through it again. Whatever the anxiety might be over, it's not that important. And it's not that bad. I don't know what you are anxious about this Christmas season. You probably have your own specifics. They're probably not that dissimilar from mine. But whatever it is, there's good news for anxious people like us. You see, God didn't just give us a list of principles to follow, to help you through anxiety. He gave you a Savior. He gave us a Savior who came into this world to forgive anxious people like us. Because we we don't just need to be less worrisome. We need to be forgiven. We need to be reconciled with the God that we are not trusting through the stresses and strains of the holiday. Because that's really what anxiety is. When we're anxious about something, we're not trusting God. We're not treasuring Him above the things that we're afraid to lose. But that's precisely why Jesus came. The holidays that we get so anxious over is the very answer to our anxieties. Jesus came into this world to die for each and every one of our anxious thoughts. Meditate on that for a second. And not just forgive our anxieties, but to free us from them. At the beginning of Luke's Gospel, when Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, prophesies about the coming of Jesus. Listen to what he says. He says, God's provided a Savior to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, and listen, might serve Him without fear. Might serve Him without fear and anxiety and worry. And if you deal with those things, you know how debilitating they are and how they hinder your thriving in Christ. How they distract you from treasuring Him. 
But he came into this world that we might serve him without any of those things. That's why Jesus came. Do you have that Savior this morning? Your Honor, He is on offer to you this morning, as He is each day, each, each Sunday we come to worship. But He's on offer to you right now. And it's, it's not an offer that you receive by self-improvement. This is not an offer that you get in on by cleaning up your anxiety. Well, this week I'm going to do much better about not being as anxious and worrisome and then I'll have Jesus. That's not how it works. It's not how you do a better job at being less anxious that gets you in on Jesus. You receive Jesus and you receive His perfect, worry-free life that He lived for anxious sinners like you and me. That's why it came. Do you have that Savior this morning? You know, life is more than food and clothing. But David says in Psalm 63 that his steadfast love is better than life. Receive his grace that is better than anything you might be anxious about. Receive Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to come and receive you, not by offering you the things that we have done, not by offering you promises of things that we are committing to do. We're coming to receive what you've done for us. When we think about how deep sin runs in our own hearts, even in the very thoughts and anxieties that we have. We are confronted with the reality that we can't fix this. We can't handle this ourselves. This is not a self-help program. This is, this is a need for a Savior to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Thank you that you went through life with all of the stresses and all of the strains, just like we do. But not for one moment did you ever Worry that your Heavenly Father wouldn't provide. Not for one moment did you ever experience an anxious thought of distrust. Never did you stop treasuring your relationship with your Father. Never did you sin. And so we're looking to the life that you lived. We're looking to the way you handled anxiety. So Father, look at the life Jesus lived for us. Look at the death He died on the cross for us. Look at His resurrection for us and receive us as forgiven children of God. Ready to go and fight anxiety and trust and treasure Jesus this holiday season. And we pray in His name. Amen.